Talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence wins championships. I'm Ryan Becker, Director of Advisor Engagement with CI's Advisor Consulting Practice Management Team, and welcome to Consulting Insights. Today on the podcast, the plan is to discuss something that is becoming more and more prevalent with financial advisors, and that's running a team, and not just any team, a high-performing team. Joining me on the podcast today, I have Claudio Cipolla, Director of Campaigns from the Practice Management Team. Welcome back, Claudio. Thank you, Ryan, for having me. Uh, you're welcome. I, I casually, and, and any chance I get, I'm going to try to use a Michael Jordan quote or a sports quote of some, <laughs> some ability, but um, talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence wins championship. And Jordan has been part of some just absolutely outstanding teams over the course of his career. So there was definitely the, the bulls of the nineties. Um, he was a member of the dream team, which dominated the competition um, and won the, the gold in the 92 Olympics. Um, and that, that really could have been arguably one of the greatest teams ever assembled. Uh, but he's also been at on some less than great teams over the course of his career. So it, here's a guy that really knows winning and knows great teams. And it's a, Phenomenal quote, I think, because it really does put a point on the fact that a team working together with a common goal with trust as that foundation can be more than the sum of its parts. Um, now, I'm pretty sure the two of us could spend an afternoon debating who the best teams are and best, you know, best players on those teams. But let's keep this in the world of advisor teams. How, how about that, Claudio? <laughs> Sounds good. You know, uh, I really love sports analogies. And <laughs> when you think of high performing teams, Many people often identify with winning sports teams. Mm. There's so many moving pieces that each have to work together to really achieve success as a team. But Ryan, you're right. For, for today, let's stick to, to the advisor world. <laughs> all, right, all right, perfect. I'll, I'll carve out 20 minutes after this and we, we can get into that. But um, <laughs> it, So in the advisory world, teams are becoming more and more commonplace. And I think there's a lot of potential reasons for this. There's you know, succession planning, there's increasing scale and offerings, it, even deeper client engagement, just to name a few. But let's make sure we're on the same page and just clear about what we would consider what we would say a high performing team is in the first place. So what's the definition that you would use, Claudio? Well, in my eyes, I'd say a high performing team is really a diverse group of, of super talented individuals, and they're working together at a high level towards a common goal. And they've also established really high standards for themselves. And when they look at their business, they strive to be the best in their business. Okay, so I, I think that's a great definition. And one of the things that I find working with different advisory teams is that there are so many different compositions and types of teams that we see in our day to day. So is there a typical composition of a high performing team? I'd say there's no perfect size for a team. Any team can, can really be high performing. I believe the key is how the team is structured and how effectively the team is run. So that's interesting. And it, it really sets the stage that any team can be high performing. It's the composition that's going to depend on a number of different things. Mm -hmm. and, and then I would say that the point is that high performance in the advisory world is more nuanced than a sports team, for instance, you know, mm -hmm. when it goes to a sports team, regardless of sport, it's really winning is, is how you're judged. Whereas with an advisory team, it could be AUM growth or revenue growth or, or client experience or, or a lot of different ways that you could measure growth. So it's not as cut and dry. 
Yeah, and here's the beauty where an advisory team can measure success in the way they choose. Um, we've had many discussions with advisors where the goals changed from year to year. So advisory teams can explore entering new markets, uh, perhaps retaining a percentage of assets, mm. growing their client base. Whatever they decide, they just ensure that the whole team is engaged and that ensures that the, the goals can be measured ultimately. It's a it- that's a good point. So regardless of the measurements of successes of these teams, they, they do share some, um, some foundational elements or some common elements. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I know that you've been spending some time on recently, and you just wrapped up building an advisor-facing presentation that is now available for, uh, for advisors, and it's called High-Performing Teams, Unlocking the Recipe for Success. So tell me, first of all, why is this an important topic to advisors today? Well, we're seeing more and more advisors joining up and creating wealth practices. In mm-hmm. fact, our research shows that advisors working in a high-performing team have 8.8% revenue growth compared to 6.9% when working individually. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's, it's logical considering partnering with, the, with an advisor, expanding your current practice. This, in, in, in my view, enables you to have a business owner mindset and scale your practice to really new heights. Hmm. So, so not only are teams becoming more prevalent, they're also growing revenue faster in, in some cases. Mm-hmm. And, and as more teams are forming and growing, then the potential for revenue growth increases. But with the formation and the the in these teams, there comes a lot of greater complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I did see some research, and this was from Price Metrics, um, that said that top quartile teams grew on average by 22%, while the bottom shrank uh, by about 3%. So mm-hmm. just forming that team isn't the path to success. Then what is the secret to creating the best-in-class team? Tell me that. <laughs> well, that's the secret sauce. And, and I believe that every great team starts with a great culture. Hmm. What advisors need to remember is that a high-performing culture is a journey and not a destination. And what I mean by that is that it's an ever-evolving part of your business and it encompasses your team every day. So that makes sense. And, And having that purpose that you're working towards really can help shape your decisions in what you do. In establishing this performance culture, you highlight three key areas, right? Correct. I highlight three main components of creating a high-performance culture, which are establishing the vision, establishing the values, and the shared mindset. So that's going to bring up the question of, (laughs) is any one of those more important than the others? So I wouldn't say that one is more important than the other they all complement each other to kind of create the, the identity of, of the culture. Mm-hmm. For example, values touch your team on a personal and professional level. So it could be a good place to start. And establishing the vision really allows you to make sure everyone understands what the team's objectives are. So then when you're pivoting to having a shared mindset, this reassures the team that everyone's thinking the same way when they're conducting business day to day. And when working together, this is really a perfect recipe for culture. Hmm. So that's a good analogy. So the team members are essentially ingredients and, and hopefully they come together to make an amazing meal or an amazing dish. <laughs> uh, so now before I mentioned some of the research on the growth of top quartile and top performing teams, but, but I also mentioned that the bottom quartile teams are actually shrinking, which it, 
in my opinion, is scary insight. What are your thoughts as to why teams can actually hurt in some cases? Well, here I believe is, is a good example of where opposites don't attract. And individuals in the team can have different strengths, but what they need to share is the culture. Too often we see teams fail because they don't share the same values or vision. So that's where I would start. The other factors such as, you know, unclear responsibilities or disagreements are part of, you know, business and they can be addressed with having just a proper structure in place. So going back to the, to the recipe analogy, then it's like Mm -hmm. one ingredient potentially overpowering the dish. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And you want to create that balance in your recipes and in your teams. So I'd say that moving from that sole proprietor and then adding another member of the team and then scaling from there can be really challenging as a process for many advisors. And I think we've we've both seen it um, in in our travels. Uh, You did it all by yourself. You you trust yourself. You run the business primarily in your head, but then the dynamics change and you become a team leader. Mm-hmm. And r- running a high performing team isn't, isn't easy. It's not an easy task at all. It takes a lot of intentional work to get it right. And in some cases, it takes a completely different skill set. So why don't we dig down a little further? What characteristics or commonalities do financial advisors um, need to ensure are in place um, that are consistent across high performing teams? Well, let's begin with trust. Okay. I believe it's, it's the foundational element of every team. Um, you know, trust, it goes a long way um, from every, every single role within, within the team. And high-performing teams also have defined roles and responsibilities, and this helps them maximize their efficiency. And more than that, going a step further, when we look at characteristics, the best high-performing teams establish very clear goals and have very clear communication to make sure the entire team is engaged on these goals. So this is where also leadership needs to be engaged. Mm. And we, we say we need to lead from the front. That's, that's very true. You know, advisors need to lead from the front. So all this put together, high-performing teams have to consistently do this. And to consistently be great, they have to have the ability to be continuously learning, you know, either through courses or certifications, This keeps everyone on top of their game. And one thing not to forget as well is that the best teams have the ability to measure everything. There's an old saying that goes, if you can't measure it, you can't control it. You mentioned a lot of, you know, great components and great characteristics. Uh, One of them that I, I I think we would agree is, is foundational to a team's success is is trust that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, can you expand on that a little further? Because I truly do feel that we take this for granted. And I, and I would agree. I, I think trust, as we mentioned, is key throughout every function of a high-performing team. Mm-hmm. If, if trust isn't felt amongst the team, your clients will ultimately feel that as well. So what I would say is make sure from the get-go that respect is instilled in the culture and you respect everyone and they respect the team as a whole. So be transparent in all your actions and show your team that you care about what matters to them. Um, I'd also add that, you know, I'd, I'd bring the team together often, either through team building exercises or retreats. We see that happy teams at work are high performers. 
Yeah. It, you know, trust is so important within teams and, and relationships for that matter. Um, however, I, I, I personally think it's important to say that we, we don't need to be out there doing ropes courses and, and trust falls in the office um, <laughs> in it, that the trust that needs to be formulated in a team is essentially that um, our intentions are good. Mm-hmm. And the team believes that everyone is striving towards that shared vision, you know, whatever that might be. And, and this is a way we can ask for help, provide better feedback, and then even passionately debate ideas. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I completely agree. Having a, a positive open environment allows the whole team to feel inspired, mm-hmm. which, as we mentioned, ultimately leads to higher performance. And then I think when the trust is there, that, that people can lean into debates and challenge each other. It, it, it's a balancing act, absolutely. It really does, though, allow for better performance when team members aren't being guarded or political. Exactly. Uh, but however, just, just saying trust each other is a little bit easier said than done. Uh, so what have you seen that's been done effectively to build trust within teams? Well, today, what we see more and more of, um, of high-performing teams that we've studied, you know, and also various different industries amongst the, our own, is the ability to ask for feedback. And asking for feedback really instills transparency and accountability. So no matter who is leading, acknowledging failures as much as successes really helps your team grow. An effective strategy, personally, that I've seen to to repair or start this process is doing a biography exercise with the group. And I I do think that I'll get eye rolls a little bit, um, and I get that. But it's a first step. And the reason that I'm highlighting it is because this investment in trust in a team is pretty low lift and low risk. So if you bring this up, you're you're really not going to hit that many landmines if if you're to start trying to do this, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it does break down some of those walls. So having each member of the team walk through hobbies, likes, family history, worst jobs, favorite experiences, best vacation, you know, you can go a long way to help building bridges outside of the work world. Mm -hmm. And what I would say is if you do go about this process is that the leader or whoever the leader is on the team that they really truly need to go first because they need to set the tone for the exercise and hopefully demonstrate some level of, of, of vulnerability to the group and make it fun. Now building trust, I think it takes time and and you need to see this time and time again before it really starts to take root. So you can jumpstart trust building but there really isn't a magic bullet to creating trust amongst a group. Now I'm going to pivot back a little bit because in the last episode that the practice management team on this podcast was talking, I was talking with Bruno and we were talking about biases that clients hold when it comes to their money relationships. Now, as I'm thinking in terms of high performing teams in our conversation today, how do you navigate some team member biases or, or personality differences um, to develop a better team dynamic? What are your thoughts there? Well, I think we can um, fall back again to our sports analogies. And uh, <laughs> this this will come maybe from, you know, you can see this in the sports world and you, you can see it even in the political world. I think um, Barack Obama once said this best is that one thing to immediately address in a high performing team or any team is ensuring that the team members take their ego out of the equation. So what that means is that when a team works together, they 
win together. Irrespective of opinion, the team should always do what's better for the whole, not the individual. So that being said, I mean, we'll always encounter disagreements, but the best thing to do is disagree and then commit. Jeff Bezos uses this framework at Amazon and it it holds true because you don't always put the team's purpose first in that regard. And there are ways to mitigate some of the risks by assessing personalities before you hire them. Ultimately, you want to make sure that you have this healthy team dynamic. So I know I'm going against our ground rules at the beginning, but uh, about sports, but it, it is about playing for the name on the front of the Jersey versus the back of the Jersey. Um, exactly. I think that that that's definitely crucial. And, you know, I, I'm personally a big proponent of doing personality assessments because I think that it really helps in understanding of individuals, personal preferences, sorry, I should say, and tendencies. And in a past walk of life, I used to, we used to use some disc profile exercises for our team members. So when it came time for my check-ins with different members of the team, I would try to set them up specifically based on that individual's personality preferences. And then I would try to flex my style to them. So rather than talking in disc terms, I'll try to strike a, a note that will be familiar to everybody just in case they're, they're not familiar with disc. But let's say a person was more analytical and reserved. Well, in my check-ins with that individual or our meetings, I traditionally try to be in a meeting room with a computer screen so that we could pull up any sort of data and analytics. And it was an environment that was really conducive to their preferences. But then every once in a while, just to just try to stretch ourselves, is that we would try to get them out of their comfort zone. So we would go for maybe a coffee or a walk or, or lunch or something like that. So it's mm-hmm. just an example of something that I used to do um, that was about awareness and using the environmental place setting um, can be a really powerful inclusion when you go through some of these personality type exercises just as a byproduct. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. And I, and I think uh, putting our teams in these situations or certain individuals will only help them grow. Um, and we need to lean to our team's strengths, but also help you know grow. I wouldn't call them weaknesses, but help them grow areas of their of their business that perhaps you know needs improvement. So these exercises are, are part of a continuous learning cycle. And when working in high performing teams. They're accustomed to this. This is something they do regularly because they know you only grow when you're you're out of your comfort zone. So I think it's a it's a great analogy. Hmm. So another area that I want to make sure that we dig into here is the topic that we really see everywhere, and it's leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's crucial to a strong team having that strong leadership in place to succeed. And and since really our audience is typically leaders of their own teams, um, what should they be ensuring that they do? Well, I believe great leaders should engage their team often. And that means being extremely present and aware of what's going on every day. It's also the leader's responsibility to integrate, you know, a lot of positivity, a lot of optimism within the team, because the team looks to the leader for guidance. Mm -hmm. And so that, so that reflects on you to make sure you're leading by example. I would also say to encourage results and hard work. Uh, This always keeps the team engaged and focused how you want them to be on your business. And I'd say, finally, I'd like to add that the leaders should empathize with every situation. We see more and more emotional IQ becoming a really valued leadership trait and advisors 
are great empathizing already with, with client situations. So they just need to replicate that in their advisory team settings. That's, that's a really important point that you end with there. And communication really is so crucial for a leader. You can have this, this phenomenal and this amazing vision and just fail to communicate it effectively. And one of the things that I found has been an effective strategy for team leaders is summarizing their decisions or next steps prior to just even ending a call or a meeting with their team. So outlining steps, timelines, goals that were in fact decided within that meeting can go a long way to hopefully um, surfacing any miscommunications, um, even if it's just the leader at the end of the meeting, just recapping and saying, you know, tell me this if I've missed anything. And I think we've all played that game in elementary school or when we were younger, you know, the telephone game where, Mm -hmm. you know, you pass something along and the next person gets all jumbled up by the end. But um, there there's this belief or this, this view that if we are all in the same room or all in the same call, we all hear it the same way. Um, And I don't think that that's the case. There's so often that we hear completely different things listening to the exact same message or story. So, so doing that quick five minute or less exercise to end a meeting or a call can really help in establishing and, and clearing up some of these miscommunications. Let's, let's circle back a bit though, because if there's no trust, then somebody isn't necessarily always going to speak up if they've heard it differently. And that's why high performing teams really do take in tension to develop and lots of reinforcement to continue to be high performing. Yeah, that's a great point, Ryan. And high performing teams, as we know, are constantly improving. If they don't, the competition will. So Mm -hmm. having open criticism is crucial for growth. Whether you have a team feedback session weekly or one-on-one consult the coachings, integrating your team's opinions will just strengthen the business and ultimately help you lead more effectively. Making them feel heard and understood. Absolutely. Now, the other day, I know you're kicking around a number of workshop strategies and we're thinking about building these and and kind of coming up with some next steps around this topic. But I don't want to take too much more of our listeners in, in your time. So I think this is a good place to stop today. But before we wrap up, any parting thoughts that you'd like to impart on us? Yes, I would like to say just remember that consistent performance is not achieved by luck, but it's by preparation, hard work, and dedication. Hmm. So on a parting thought, I would just say, you know, leverage your team's strengths. And when you're all working together, they'll provide exceptional results. Well said, Claudio. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I really appreciated your time. Always a pleasure, Ryan. Thank you for having me. And thanks everyone for listening. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to our channel, Consulting Insights on your platform of choice. It is where you can find CI Advisor Consulting's podcasts, such as the one you heard today. And you'll hear other topics that highlight practice management from our side of the advisor consulting team, as well as amazing tax, estate, and financial planning insights from the other side that makes up CI Advisor Consulting's team. That's the members of TREP, the tax retirement and estate planning team. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, and please remember to tune in to our next episode when we'll be back discussing thoughts and insights for when you are working on your business rather than just in it.
This podcast is provided as a general source of information and should not be considered personal, legal, accounting, tax, or investment advice, or construed as an endorsement or recommendation of any entity or security discussed. Investors should seek the advice of professionals prior to implementing any changes to their investment.